You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 269 of PHP Ugly. This is getting out of control. I am your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me tonight is my lovely co-host wearing a beautiful ball gown, Tom Rideout. Hello. Uh, I was. Not anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Shut up, brother. I feel called out. Well, you know, I think I think the world needs to know. You look good. You look stunning. In a ball gown. Yeah, it's none of their business. <laughs> What's going on, uh, man? You know, uh, lot, lots of standard TV entertainment and work. TV's it's getting good again a little bit, huh? Kind of, yeah. You watching The Book of Boba? No, not yet. So I, I watch the the select Disney shows with Buddy who's been in Texas for three weeks. So we're, I'm backlogged quite a bit. <clears throat> but no, I watched like Last Night in Soho, which was eh. A new mm-hmm. Ghostbusters movie, which I saw that yeah. sets a new standard for as good as you could expect it to be. <laughs> the The Ghostbusters movie to me was very strange because it was it was as good as it possibly could be. Now that's not a ten out of ten because I I kind of would have preferred they never made it, but then they made it and it was so good that I'm like, oh, I kind of glad they made it. So it's like it's like a two out of two. No, I, I think it, it it was better than that. My expectations two out of were two s- is still a hundred percent. Yeah, but I okay. All right, it just, it but just, my it my expectations for it, my expectations for it were set pretty low after the last reboot <sighs> attempt. And I'm like, all right, well, let's see what they do with this one. And I was pleasantly surprised. My, my expectations were set low when the trailer featured the the mini marshmallow men a lot and the toys came out with the mini marshmallow men and i was like oh this is gonna be a thing the truth it of, wasn't a thing the truth of the matter is i'm a big paul what's his, paul rudd right that's his name paul rudd i like him like i like his acting he was fairly insignificant in this movie and i honestly think he could have not been in the movie and the movie would have been just as good like he didn't really bring a whole lot to the table i think he was a a well-rounded well-established character he was he was exactly lewis tully like he i think he had the same screen time as lewis tully he had the same role as lewis tully like he was he was almost exactly the same character and it okay. was played and it was played so well in the writing not necessarily in the acting i think he was paul rudd in ghostbusters but <clears throat> i think the the way he was written into the character he played the exact role he was supposed to play at which was like all right who brought the dog like that that was the whole character he played it was it was as good as I could possibly expect it to be or hope it to be. I've already ranted about this for like an hour and a half earlier today, so don't want to get too further into it. <clears throat> I also watched Bone Tomahawk, which, holy shit, like, what a nightmare of a movie. I watched I watched the, the Marvel one, Eternals. So Eternals. I haven't watched it yet, and I don't have high expectations. I didn't have, I didn't have high, high expectations, and the only reason I watched it is because it was on Disney+. Plus. 
Like otherwise, I I bought I bought the Ghostbusters one because I wanted wanted to watch it. And but Eternals, it was on Disney Plus. I'm like, eh, yeah, I like to try to watch all the Marvel movies, so I'll I'll go ahead and kind of muscle through this one. Well, you know, I, you know, I didn't buy anything, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a biggest biggest hypocrite in the world, but that's fine. No, nope. we don't need a no. Nope. Mister, everybody, everybody should get paid top dollar, but I'm not paying anybody for anything. Firmly established. <laughs> You know what I did watch is I watched Wheel of Time. Have you seen that yet? Wheel of Time. I don't think I have. Wheel of Time. It's so it's no, a that's... it's a 14 book series. Dear God. It's no. enor- it's enormous. And I was I was watching it in the first couple episodes I'm like, "Oh, I get it. They're doing like the sci-fi trope of a matriarchal society." And like as you get further into it, you're like, Oh no, it's it's not a matriarchal society. It's still a patriarchal society except that the men are abusing for their superpowers like it when you take wheel of time and cast it to like against our existing society you're like oh our existing society is way fucked up because like yeah as soon as women got superpowers we would tell them that they were in charge and then like they wouldn't be in charge and that's what wheel of time is like totally about it's very dark Charlton is saying that the Green Knight was interesting. I loved the Green Knight. It had one of the best endings that I've ever like that I could hope to see in a fantasy movie. I need to get caught up, man. I, none of these are sounding familiar to me. I have really been out of the loop. The Green Knight. Well, there was this disease that kind of like took over the planet for a while, and so Some movies, herpes? movies stopped. Well, no, that's one of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of them. Uh, movies weren't coming out in theaters for a while so a lot of stuff got swept under the rug green knight was one of them green knight was great i'll have to add that to my list to watch that's the uh the dude from slumdog millionaires the main character is fantastic cool and charlton where did you hear this from charlton at (laughs) well we have a discord channel at discord.phpugly.com and anyone can drop in. It's there's no memberships, there's no Patreon requirements, nothing like that. You can just come on in, enjoy the fun. We talk about a lot of stuff like uh, View and Livewire, and we had an interesting SQL discussion today on the support sub sub category. Oh, that remind me. I kept I kept meaning to go back. So yeah, somebody had popped in. We have a channel for support or some help or what do we say? Some, some help, help please. please. Somebody asking how you can see sequel statements that are being executed in Laravel. And yeah. everybody popped in with ideas. I forgot back in the day, the one I suggested was using the Laravel debug bar. That that shows you the, the sequel statement. But I forgot. Which is not an day, official Laravel package. Laravel debug bar is a, uh, a third-party package. I have to say that now, ever since Laravel Quasar came out. Oh, well, is this something we should be talking about? All right, before we go there, there was a way... Before all that, that I used to add a listener in the routes file that would do this for me as well. Do this whenever, whenever a SQL statement fired, there was an event listener in the routes file that would fire and dump out that SQL statement. I kept meaning to look that up for them, and I kept forgetting. And now I'm trying to do it live on the show, and I can't find it. Maybe, they, maybe that's not a that's not a, a valid method anymore because I bet you I can go through some of my old code and find it. I, it was a very simple little snippet I put into my routes folder. I used to I used to do it <clears throat> I used to do it to all of them and then comment it out. It would be like one of those things, one of those debug methods I would go to. So what's the, what's the Quasar 
Laravel Quasar issue. Well, so Laravel Quasar was announced on the the Laravel subreddit very recently, and I I don't know why Laravel debug bar thing, but Laravel Quasar I immediately thought was like a new Laravel, a new Taylor statistics server, and okay. I'm. Very curious, like where does that line get drawn? Trademark and copyright. Well, I think I think Taylor's pretty much established in the past. He'll, he will ask people to change. Yeah, no, the name he has. of a, he has. A, yeah, and I think rightfully so, right? I mean, if you don't protect, even if you're even if you're being a good citizen of open source, you're not trying to sue people for copyright infringement of the name of your project. You still have to protect it. Otherwise, you lose it, right? So I don't think anybody would fault him for for doing that. Sure, you're a perfect example. Why in the 1.0 announcement he said, you know, maybe the name is not right, and and I I might have to change it. If you think I should, I will. Which is a very young person's attitude towards Mm -hmm. towards software. Because I know a lot of like you get into your 50s and you start contributing to open source, and you're like, fuck you, fuck rules. I don't care. Like, I will do exactly what the license lets me do. I I know plenty of those guys. And honestly, a lot of people don't even probably put a lot of thought into it. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to call this Laravel Quasar. Doesn't even think of the, oh, you know, maybe people will confuse this as the official Laravel product or something. So so do we want to get into the mess with color and... Faker. Colors and faker. This is an interesting topic because this was one that I didn't want to touch on last week on it the is. audio podcast, but we talked about afterwards. And now it has expanded. And yeah, I, I put it in my Trello board because I was hoping we could talk about it some. So the reason I didn't want to get into it last week was because the the personal Twitter account of the creator of Colors and Faker JS seemed to have an agenda whose keywords would get flagged on a lot of podcast sharing networks. But it appears that that agenda was far less interesting or serious than the real agenda, which is people are using my software to make money and I don't like it. And the my short response to that is, oh, I don't care. Go away. Like, I, I don't. I don't care. You, you picked the MIT or OpenGL license or whatever. You picked a license when you started your GitHub project, and Amazon is using it in one of their products and you're upset about that i don't care man i Mm -hmm. don't i have no i have no sympathy i have no i have empathy for sure like that would bother me that would bother me a lot but i have no sympathy okay i would leverage it to my advantage i would say hey look at this thing i made that has 23 million downloads in one month Thank you, Charlton. I would say, hey, look how good I am or how popular I am. Support my open source projects. But I have no sympathy. You chose a license. You have to adhere to it. Now, the controversy comes from the corporate overlords, I'll say. So to, to roll things back a little bit, the the creator of the Colors and Faker library, very, very popular libraries, decided very suddenly to remove the source code from GitHub or, or to update the source code to be blank. So the latest version was just dead code. He was banned from GitHub and the NPM repository reverted his changes to the latest good version. So they basically said like, hey, 
you know, we consider this behavior malicious, whether or not it was you or third party, and we're going to undo this behavior. Right. Which is which is all within their scope of being able to do. So I have a couple of feelings on this, right? And I think we're Ooh. I think we're at a time. What's wrong? Charlton just called, okay. So I don't want to interrupt, but Charlton just said <clears throat> the White House administration is holding a meeting slash summit about this topic and is treating it as quote unquote digital supply chain vulnerability, which okay, is well, that, that, bad language for open source. And it shows it shows the ignorance people have about open source because since it was open source, right, and since it was licensed the way it is, the impact should be pretty minimal, right? I mean, obviously there's the inconvenience that packages need to be updated to point to a new repo, but that project can be forked and carried on. That developer just basically said, Hey, I'm not using my resources to manage this project anymore. He considered his GitHub account to be one of those resources and removed it. Poor practice? Yes, absolutely. Maybe he should have made an announcement. Maybe he should have tried to pass it off. Whatever the case. I understand his frustration. I think we're at a moment in time where the open source ecosystem is trying to find a balance, right? Like, this has been going on for a very long time, and a lot of companies have gotten very wealthy using a lot of these tools and haven't been good citizens and contributed back to those developers. Haven't, uh, haven't we, been perceived as good citizens. They, they well, haven't necessarily been bad citizens. And again, it might be an educational thing, right? You know, this this was kind of one of the thought processes behind the new PHP Foundation, that a foundation is now being established to make it clear to companies out there, hey, this project needs money to carry on. If we want this level of, if we want, want to continue to have the same level of excellence we've had in the PHP programming language, you know, there's going to have to be some financial backing. And this is not a new concept, right? I believe FreeBSD no, has been doing this for years, right? I mean, that's how FreeBSD is is still carried on, is through a foundation. G- GNU project is basically founded on this. The reason that the MIT license and the new license are different is this concept of free. Free as in beer, free as in freedom. Mm. And well, it's I mean, more than that, though, right? New GNU license. I mean, the biggest hangup with that with companies says that hey, if you use this product, if you modify it in any way, you have to contribute that back, right? I mean, and that's where companies are like, well, we're not going to use products that have the GNU license because we don't want to be on the hook to have to contribute back our code where we don't know, you know, the how proprietary that code is going to be. So companies typically try to steer clear of that, but that doesn't really kind of speak to the lack of education on open source in general. I mean, we've talked in the past about Xdebug and Derek, and every PHP developer out there Which, has probably used Xdebug at some time, right? Yeah, when like during that where someone's like, you should be using Xdebug, and then you stop using it ever again. <laughs> but, you know... He's, a, he's another one that it's like, it's a tool that so many developers use. So many other tools are built with, like he's, PHP Storm. He's so funny, though. <clears throat> like, in his monthly report, he's like, I worked for 60 hours and got paid for 20 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he puts it out there. And I, I don't I don't read those. So I'm not sure what you're referring to. No, so... so It's fine. Derek Wyeth and ha- Derek, what'd you say his Re- name was? Starts with an R. What's his last name? Oh, God, I I even had it on the Trello board. Anyways, 
he's been releasing a, a monthly breakdown of development for Xdebug, and part of his monthly breakdown has been what I got paid to do and what I did for free, and it's mm. it's scathing. Rathens, yeah, Rathens, and uh, he got two he got two new supporters, two new corporate supporters this month, and didn't say that he didn't get paid for work. So I actually think he's getting paid to work now. But he like he didn't pull punches in his newsletters. He was like, "Yeah, no, this is how much I worked, and this is how much I got paid for it." Are you enjoying XD Bug? Fuck you! <laughs> like he was totally but- not chill about it. <laughs> Which is great to me. It's that's great. That's what you're supposed to do with your code when your code's being used by large corporate entities. You're supposed to not be chill about it. You're supposed to say, "Hey, guess who I don't work for? Any of the top ten? And guess what they should be paying me? Top ten fucking money." And they don't. Right. And and this dude, this guy who wrote Colors and Faker, was giving himself too much credit. Colors and Faker are were not like difficult algorithms managing complex software solutions. It was a it was a duplicate of the job of the Java Faker library and a Colors interface for Xterm. Like that's. That's stuff that a lot of college students did as their pre-thesis work. And it got popular because NPM is a weird, NPM is a weird environment, but like was it was a low value system except for how in- integrated it was till every everything used it. but like it's the guy inventing but, the wheel saying dude everyone's using the wheel and it's like well it's it's been five you can let it go so so let let's bring bring this back around to PHP a little bit though right sure well for, first thing that explanation if if you're telling me the whole uh, faker colors takedown situation was really about that that's a little different than the story we got last week so it was about a lot of frustration and not being compensated we'll just boil it down to that okay. not being compensated so, for work so let me let me ask you something here right so go into the open source world not expecting to get rich or at least you should be going into the open source world not expecting to get rich Uh, you have companies that start to use your product and start to make money using your product let's talk about an example we talk about a lot here laravel right how many companies (laughs) out there have completely built products around using the Laravel framework that have not contributed back. Now, Laravel is a different situation, right? Because Taylor has done well for himself creating product, creating his own product with his framework. Not even with his framework. I mean, let's be clear here that the products that he sells are not Laravel products. They are products leveraging the Laravel community. But I'm pretty sure they're all built with Laravel. I mean, (laughs) I'd be surprised that they're not. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but he's not the closed source stuff that he's selling is he's selling to the community. He's not selling the openness of the product. He's selling the functionality of the closed source product. Right. Regardless, sure. let me finish my fucking statement. You know, I don't do that. Should that exclude him since he is somebody who's doing well for himself? I don't think anybody questions that he's getting ready to move into a beautiful new house that he keeps posting on Twitter. I guess I should shut up now, huh? (laughs) Oh, we all got nice houses around here. Does that make does that make other companies who use this product and not contribute back to the ecosystem more justified? Like, oh Taylor's fine. This this developer has figured out a way to make a good living using open source. Nobody should be worried about contributing back to any work that he's used, any work that he's done. 
in their in their own product, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. So this gets real deep <clears throat> real fast because Red Hat is inherently an open source company worth billions of dollars because they bought open source projects and provided management tools and source environments. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the same thing that Amazon is accused of with AWS, where Amazon has taken stuff like MongoDB and CouchDB and created services off of them that are essentially just renamed versions of the story existed, but they're hosting them in these redundant managed environment or semi-managed environments. I will I will ask you this, going back to free is in freedom versus free is in beer. If you buy somebody a beer and they say, oh, thank you, and then pour it on the floor, are you going to be mad at them? Yes. Yeah, your intention for buying them was beer was different. You intended them to enjoy the beer with you. But did they have every right to take the beer and pour it on the floor? Yeah, they did. Absolutely. You bought them a beer. It's their beer now. They can do whatever they want with it. You know, I went to bars when I was in my spry youthful 20s and bought a girl a drink because she was flirting with me. And then she gave the drink I bought her to her boyfriend who I didn't see behind her. And was I pissed? Yeah. But I learned the lesson. (laughs) Like... Free as in beer means you gave them a fucking beer. It's their beer now. And as much as these lessons can hurt us, Charlton, I'll get I'll get back to you. Somebody is is hitting Wikipedia hard while I'm talking. <laughs> well, I also want to touch on Sevi, right? You're just rambling about about nonsense now, so I, I want to get back on track. Fair enough. And I, I'm pronouncing it wrong, Sevi. No, How do right. you pronounce your Sevi. name? Sevi. No, no, we always think that's it, and then they correct us. Let's see if I like Levi. I forget. Anyways, he says, does anyone worry that situations like this may discourage companies from using open source? No, and I'm going to tell you why. There are two two kind of trains of thought in, especially in enterprise. When you talk when you talk about companies, I typically think enterprise because startups and smaller companies are kind of in a different realm, right? Enterprise, they're the ones that have the money to make a choice to use open source software or not. They're not struggling to make payroll sort of thing. And there's usually two trains of thought. You have the companies that say, yeah, shit, they're giving the, they're giving the software away for free. Not only am, am I going to use it, I'm going to use it as leveraging power against the proprietary solutions. Then you have companies that will say, no, we're not... It's not a matter of cost to us. It's a matter of responsibility and accountability. And they feel like that's not something that happens in the open source world. That things like the faker and colors, that that sort of situation would never happen in a proprietary solution. And that's why they pay for proprietary but solutions. It, but it did happen in a proprietary solution because... Absolutely. It happens all the time. Not only, the, not only does it happen... No, it did. In the, in the thing... I know I'm agreeing with you. And not only does it happen, the thing that, so I, I'm an open source guy. I worked for a big enterprise and I had this battle, this conversation, this, this discussion with my superiors all the time, the people up the, up the food chain for me, this, this concept that, well, I'm paying somebody to take accountability for the software. I don't have to worry about it. It's a huge red, red, red flag because they can, and this Microsoft was doing this at the time where they would completely pivot their platform and you are now forced to pivot with them, whether you like it or not, because 
you don't know anything about the software you're running. You're just paying for the software. The people who make the software told you, hey, you have to do it this way now. And you have no say in it. And this was always kind of kind of back and forth we've had with, well, you know, here's the disadvantage of open source software. And I'd be like, I would say like, yeah, no, it's the same disadvantage of proprietary software. You just don't see it. You don't have the visibility to it. And that's why open source software is so much better. I don't disagree. You don't agree? I don't disagree. 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 Thank you. I fought that war for, for years. I, uh, I tried so, so hard to get a well-established open source initiative in the company I was working with. And the, the hysterical thing about it is if you know who I am, if you look at my LinkedIn, you can probably figure out what company this is. They built Sony. products. They built some of their biggest products on open source is stuff. That, am I an asshole for saying that? I mean, it always amazed me. I don't know. I think I think the world not- of open source needs to change. I think these companies need to... We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, HookRelay.dev. HookRelay.dev allows you to create powerful webhooks without having to create all the groundwork yourself. Sure, the basics of sending webhooks are easy, but to add more powerful features takes time and effort. That's where HookRelay.dev saves the day. Have you ever tried sending data to third parties that have strict API limits? Do you handle those failures caused by those limits properly using traditional back-off algorithms? Stop worrying about third parties with flaky servers and let hookrelay.dev continue trying to reach them for you. Resending failed webhooks or just resending for testing is as simple as clicking a button. You can also be the recipient of webhooks. That's right, hookrelay.dev handles both inbound and outbound webhooks. Hookrelay.dev can catch the request and then send them to your servers. And best of all, reporting. Writing code to track success failures, create reports, and more is already done with hookrelay.dev. Try hookrelay.dev's free tier today. Get three endpoints, 14-day retention, and 100 deliveries per day. Thank you, Hook Relay, for sponsoring today's episode. We can o- move on from, from open, open source. source. I mean, we've been talking about it for a miasma. while. It's a can of worms. You know, GitHub banning this creator and, like, reinstating his, his old code as... Uh, it's got weird implications. Okay. But, man, if I, if I were running GitHub, I would totally do the same thing. I would totally be like, this. yeah, this guy's a wild card, got out of control, Jews, and people rely on his code. But, I mean, GitHub really didn't even have to step in. I mean, if they wanted to ban him, that's fine. That was that was up to them. But they didn't have to reinstate his repo. Anybody could have well, no, done that. N- Anybody N- who NPM has this did code. That. Right. So, NPM so, reinstated his repo as pre- 666 it's you know when you're working when you're working with people who work for free you're gonna get weird behavior and i can almost guarantee that the dude wasn't working for free he was working for somebody who wanted this code written and he wrote it for but convinced him to open it or he was a student who wrote it while he was a student you know not a lot of people out there really working for free free Hmm. all right let's move on what else you got you got anything else good to talk about we're done we wrapping up 8.1 man i'm excited I heard point one has been a complete flop. They're blaming the release managers. It's not even worth talking about. We 8. should probably 8. move 8. on. Eight point one one, different release manager, <laughs> not a flop. Same same release managers. You're you're the release manager is for it? that that is version. Yeah, I eight point. The, I know they're the I've eight point one release, release managers. Manager. Neither have I, but that's just basic. That's like Simver versioning. Man, you just know that. <laughs> There won't be another release manager until 8.2. I'm excited, man. Did I, you? Uh, what are you excited about with 8.11? Enums. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm getting excited about enums. Yeah. I still don't. I still don't quite get it. Enums. 
Yeah. I I historically didn't use Enums just because it was a kind of a pain in the ass, but now that it's part of of the core, I will probably use it more. Well, so um, I'll tell you, en- Enums in my sequel, I was explicitly against. I am still explicitly against Like, it. that's, do not use an Enum column in my sequel. Yeah. But this is, this is very different. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and, and I think... The reason I have trouble with enums and PHP is that it is it is looser than I wish it were. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty simple concept. What, I think what do you mean looser? I think that the the way that enums are incorporated in is it makes sense as a, at a lower level. I'm used to higher level enums. I'm used to enums on models. <laughs> Maybe maybe we may need to make sure everybody has the same understanding of enums, at least how I think of them, because they might be used for more and they might have a, a deeper meaning. To me, like enums are whenever you want something to have options, like you want to set, you know, that number of options of what those options are, like, you know, colors, blue, red, green, black, right? That would be a case where you would use enums and say, okay, you know, here here's enums for, for colors. These are the only colors you can select is whatever whatever is a valid value okay. in this enum. So with that said, what what's to be loose or not loose about? I mean, that's pretty pretty straightforward. So in SQL, an enum is a number associated with a string. So you have mm-hmm. zero, one, two, three in yellow. Mm-hmm. In programmatic enum, you have you have a static name string. associated with a string. No, no. So oh, okay, okay, you're right. Yep. Okay. To me, when I when I look at a static property, my mind immediately goes to what is the value of that static property? What is what is the key and value of that static property? But in in this implementation, the the key of the enum is a static property, red, blue, green. And there's there's no data methodology to store the static property. So if you have class called colors mm-hmm. and then you have properties of that you have static properties of that class which are red blue green whose values are there's the key to those values is the static property colors red colors blue i'm very used to one two three four i'm not used to the the property of a class being a key nah, nah, you'll get I don't think it's that big of a change. No, I don't think it is. I just think I just think yeah. it it catches me when I see it. Yeah, enums enums are not exciting. Just it's a nice to have. Finally, looking forward to having that. I think they're exciting because they'll they'll get enums away base the wrong place to have. Them. Now, if Eric. You know why I don't like enums in the database. But if you don't know, if you're a listener and you don't know why I hate enums in the database, if you have a column that is an enum type and you have male and female, and then someone says, well, we need to have a no preference or Mm. we need to have a they or whatever, doing an alter table on that column is a massive, massive undertaking. I had it. I had an alter table that I thought would be really quick this week that, that turned out to be twelve days. What? Because of enums? No, but enums can do it. So twelve days? Yeah. Holy crap, dude! Yeah. How big is it? Was it was a drop column that took twelve days? What? Yeah. Jeez, I used to defrag hard drives in less time than that. My God, dude. Well. 
The data in this column was like 400 hard drives. Jesus. That's scary stuff, man. Enums in the database are always bad. Always, always, always bad. And they don't even index well. Enums in a, in a database index very poorly. So you get no benefit and all of the regret. <laughs> All the regret. Couldn't find the right word there, so I just said regret. That works. Also in 8.1 is new in initializers. So right now when you have you have application equals null on your on your constructor, mm-hmm. so they're allowed to not pass in a constructor. Well, now you can pass in a new application object in your constructor. And this this adds on to the like private like, the whole thing about constructors anymore thing. Very handy. Read only properties. I assume the value is everybody. Mm-hmm. One of the big things with dates and times is immutability. I can set this value. This this post was made on January 29th, and I can't modify the property to change that. Well, previously it was public, private, and protected. But if you could get to it, you could change the value. Now, if you set a pu- if you set a property as read only, it's it acts constant. So you can say when I set this, it can't that's going to be really really nice for that, you know, dates particularly. You done? Yeah. You didn't want to talk about static uh, analysis? Joe Joe even brought that one up, didn't he? Didn't Joe in Discord talk about us? What did Joe just say? Joe said metrics to fpm without extra plugins and extensions are you calling me out for just reading the blog post that i'm reading i I just realized what you were doing (laughs) moved i'm like oh i'm looking up all these individual things he's he's reading this one i'm just reading this one page tells me what to say You're doing no, it the hard fine. way. I totally am. I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking of, man. You know what's great? The <laughs> ecosystem. Just like every year, I can't go without mentioning packages. Whoa, what? Where'd that come from? You scroll down. Oh, I, was <laughs> I stopped scrolling. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, I see. I see. PHP Foundation. We already talked about that. The ecosystem. Yeah. It's yeah, always. Yeah. It's always weird to me when someone's like, "Hey, PHP Foundation is a thing," and I'm like, "I know that guy." <laughs> All right. Did you see the tweet? John and I got interviewed on Voices this week. Voices of the Elephant? Voices of the Elephant. Yes. And I don't have excited. a I don't have a button on. <laughs> yeah, we talked it was a PHP Architect. Which if you're a PHP Architect subscriber and if you're not, you know, again, open source hard work and nobody appreciates it. Whatever. You're fine. You don't have to subscribe if you don't want to. No, just kidding. Not not open source, but not open source at all. Yeah. <laughs> no. We are we are trying to get January out. John and I literally worked in the magazine all day today working on layout. It's not on any of the columnists. A few of the columnists are here with us today, Joe. Thank you. <coughs> We're just working on a layout issues right now. So really? it should be out this week. I'll be honest with you. As much as I love PHP Architect and as excited as excited as I am to be running it and be a part of it, so much fucking work, dude. So much work of something I'm not familiar with, which is PHP. No, which is publication. <laughs> it's it is like just like just give, just using the software to get a freaking picture to position correctly is taking way too long, man. Oh. But I, yeah, I can say I have I have offered up my time and you have gracefully not taken me up on it. I mean, I don't know how how I mean you could read <sighs> proofread stuff, but so much of it is the layout, and we pay somebody who does 
like 95% of the layout. And then John and I try to bring it that last 5%. And it, it takes us as long to bring it that last 5% as it did the other person to do the other 95%. Yeah, I I got taunted with cases of beer to write about Web3. Yeah, what's up with that, man? Begged, we've begged you to write for us. And you still haven't done it. I okay. The fact that you want me to write about Web three, like fun, I don't care what you write fun, about. Write about whatever you want. Me. Write about open source and why people no, should pay no. open source developers. I don't about, care. I'm going to write about Laravel pipelines. Is what I'm going to write about because that's that's the thing that I'm like super into right now. You need to explain to me. I keep seeing this and I don't understand what Laravel pipelines are. So I have some methods that are like map reduce. Hmm. And then filter, and then map and reduce the filter again. Okay. And a a pipeline is just an array of objects that perform functions. So I have a map to monthly to monthly average filter period, right? Okay. And I I use these a lot in my code for reporting, but it's a, there's a lot of data there's a lot of redundancy in this so i am saying map to map to a monthly behavior and the code for that is figure out what month it is figure out the past months you know do a date format on the carbon date format on the object well if i create a map to monthly pipe pipeline oh right. that's a pipe that's got a pipe that's a pipeline well that's okay. a, that's a that's a pipeline object. Then I can say pipeline this thing, and then the result of this thing goes into the next thing, which is how, how's that filter by how's, month. How's that any different than like creating helpers? Just I'm just curious. It's not like you know, is that just like a new name for helpers or something? Pipelines? No, 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 no. A pipeline expects to receive. X input and X out. And when you include multiple pipelines, you can produce a a somewhat async behavior of do this, then this, do this, 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 then do this. It's I mean, you're questioning the very concept of object-oriented programming, which is how is how is this different than functional well, programming? Just much more complicated. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of where I'm going. It's like I don't, I'm not, I'm not it sure that it's, it's a pattern. Which is, okay. you may have stumbled across this pattern doing it a a non Laravel way and not called it pipelines. But in Laravel, there's a pipeline helper contract that says when you include this and call it a pipeline, then the run method will always do this will always accept this and produce this. <clears throat> so in a in a pipeline in Laravel, you're always accepting an object and then returning an object. And one of the new things in Laravel 878.1, can't believe I'm promoting this kind of numerical behavior, <laughs> but collections now support pipelines by default. So you can say, hey, take this collection, run it through this pipeline, hmm. then return a JSON object or an array object or whatever. But but yeah, that's I mean that's 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 the thing about the pipelines is they they take in an accepted is it a collection? Is it JSON? Is it an array? They figure out what to do with it from there, and then they return a collection, and then they pass it to the next pipeline, which knows to do with it next. And then since they return a collection, you can say to array, to JSON. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's not any different than object-oriented programming. It's just the way you're supposed to do it. I have to I have to take a look at this because I keep it keeps coming up on my radar, and I just haven't had the time to kind of wrap my head around it. I, 
I don't I don't understand the benefits to it yet, but okay. I don't know. So you guys work on I would say medium scale projects. Our clients would disagree with you, but okay. I'll I'll go with that. I agree with you. My company is talking about integrating over 200 external APIs. Oh my God. Are you really doing the I code harder shit than you shit fucking thing on me right now? Is, is that what you're trying to do? You're saying I have more complex problems I'm trying to solve than you are. You can't, you're not to my level. Is that, is that where, where you're going with this? I'm not, I'm not to your level. Yes. Oh, oh, oh my God, Joe oh. Ferguson! I love you, Joe Ferguson. He always says, always comes in for the win. Enterprise. Are you enterprise? You consider yourself enterprise, Tom? Blue chip. Yes, I do. Have I, I totally lost you? I don't. I don't. Here's the thing: is that I have a lot of redundant behaviors. When you integrate 200, 300, 400 external API service calls, and you want to, you want to track that shit. And how would you how would you do those external API calls, Tom? Oh wait, we already did. That, That's what you? I'm paid to figure out. Oh, and I you have a service very, that figures it I out for you. Very bad at my job. You already have a service now. You need to look into the service. All right, all right. I'm, you're not, I'm, you're I'm not saying, picking it up. You're not picking what? What button am I supposed to press? That one. I don't. <laughs> Thank you to our patreons. Is that what you want me to say? Was that not the right button? No, I was talking about our sponsor. They, they we did thing. that. I did that already. I know you did. God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. This requires too much talking on my part. All right. No, wait. Are you running it again? Yeah. Okay. I like the steel drums. I did that. I added that. It, it makes John sound really boring. <laughs> no, no, that's not what makes him sound boring. Trust me. <laughs> Dude, I... I I could have gone pee myself that time. Jesus, I got it. No, there's like 40 seconds left. Uh. Thank you, Hook Rayleigh, and thank you to our Patreons, our pa- our patrons on Patreon. Patreons on Patreon, yeah, thank you very much. You let us feel appreciated. We were talking about open source developers not being appreciated or not feeling appreciated. You are what make us feel appreciated. Thank you. Are you, like, baked or what? what is your story tonight? Are you drunk? What? Are you baked? No! You're one of those two. <laughs> All right. That's it. Are we done? Is that no, it for the night? No. Jesus Christ, dude. I drank this whole glass of wine. I got to pee now. Doesn't Looks like brandy. You can go wine. pee. I did, it, I did it once already, too. Go ahead. What else you got to talk about? Can we talk about this fucking DRM Canon printer thing? I have no idea what you're talking about. <sighs> you know that a lot fun of... Fun fact. Fun fact. The proprietary nature of printers is what kicked off the whole open source movement if you're not aware of that story go look it up take your time we are in a national chip shortage and canon was using chips to on their printers what wait i'm confused what would be drm on the printer the ink cartridges oh i fucking hate printers yeah i'm not a fan however at some point Canon said, hey, we don't have enough chips, or it would save us money to not put our DRM chips in our cartridges, sending them out to this very tiny hamlet in Denmark. So we are going to send them ink cartridges that don't have the chips in them, and inside the cartridges there will be a little document that says, hey... These chips don't have the DRM on them. Here's how you circumvent the DRM on your printer so that it's sending. Oh, this is this is rich. Really? Yes. Now, 
The problem is the internet, because Canon had decided that this very small county or whatever they were sending these cartridges to, it was going to be in a a classic form of Dutch that no one understands outside of this little tiny county. We can explain like, hey, we just we're just out of chips. So you have to do this to your printer to let it accept the cartridge. But then Google Translate exists and someone found it and was like, Canon's out of chips. And they, they admitted the whole DRM situation is bullshit. <laughs> well, it kind of is. And they kind of no, did. It, it totally is. That's the thing. That To me, the funny thing about this is that they tried so hard to whisper to like one little group of people. They're like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, so now it's just like, I fucking knew it. I knew. <laughs> like, every, everyone who spoke English who got a translation to this thing was like, was like, fuck yeah, fuck those guys. But literally only the people who cared. The only people who cared were the people who already knew that it was all bullshit. And it means literally nothing to anyone who's involved in any way. Like, <laughs> it is on the front page of CNN and Fox and Boing Boing and cnet and hacker news and no one who actually matters fucking that's funny that's the, the part that's great to me is that it got so much coverage because because everyone's like see bro i told you told you shit's shit's weak totally fake <laughs> and the only people who were listening were like i know bro right so fake we're on board people who care are still arguing about if like nfts are real or not <laughs> like it's uh, it's so dumb Oh, hey, I, I want to, I'm going to, I know we say we weren't going to snipe uh, other, other cards, but your Twitter card here just like plays in perfectly of what we've been talking about all night. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah, go for it. So apparently I'm just now catching up on this. This was, this was a card on Thomas's uh, Trello. So I'll give him full credit. Just talking about OBS and like being good Samaritans or good people within the open source community and companies making money op op over open source projects and like hiding the fact that it's an open source project or not contributing back. You have a tweet in here that says, remember yesterday's news about TikTok releasing a go live platform. Turns out it's a fork of OBS. Yeah. And now isn't this what somebody else was accused of too? Not, yeah. Logic. Uh, Logitech, Logitech, Streamlabs. So Streamlabs is a child company of Logitech. And Streamlabs oh, okay. created Streamlabs OBS, which is no longer called that because OBS is a trademark and trademarks are different than intellectual property copyrights. But the interesting thing here is that, yeah, like stream, like OBS is so successful that people are profiting off of it, but not the, so, people, not the people who are writing it. In the tweet, it even says it's an illegal fork of OBS. What makes it illegal? They're not adhering to the open source license? or Non-contribution oh, non license. So you have to say when you're using code from this source. MIT, GPL, and GNU licenses all require attribution licenses which means that when the when your compiled code is distributed your work has to be codified you have to say i this comes from here now mm -hmm. some of these licenses say that if you build upon this code you have to release the code that you created you have to say i built upon this and here's what i built some of these licenses do not but all of these licenses say you have to attribute the source code to creators. 
And TikTok released this platform without attribution. So that's in violation of all of the licenses. Now, this also goes to Streamlabs. Streamlabs is accused of trademark licensing and design GUI trademarks. But TikTok here is being accused of just straight up saying like non-attribution. This is a constant fucking issue. I mean, like to get like all the way back into it. Amazon sells Elasticsearch, which the original license for for Elasticsearch said, yeah, you can sell this if you want to, and you don't even have to call it Elasticsearch. But the new Elasticsearch license says, hey, if you want to sell this, you have to give us credit, and you should probably hire some of the programmers who wrote it. It's so, it's legal shit. It gets so messy so fast. There's no way to properly parse the whole thing. But yeah, I thought it was funny that after like the day after we were talking about Streamlabs ripping off OBS, TikTok TikTok was like, yeah, TikTok was like, hey, we can do that too. And everyone was like, you can't do that. And TikTok was like, hey, we're in China. Fuck off. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. That only adds to the complexities. All right, man. I think that's it. I think we're gonna have to wrap it up. I got an early morning tomorrow. I got to I got to drive somebody to the airport. That's one of the problems I have with my new house, which my problems are very few. Well, you don't have a twelve car garage, but there's no close airport anymore. Like the closest oh. airport is like a little over an hour away so, north. But planes and keep I, landing there for some reason, and I'm not sure. I've never been to, like everybody I know, and I I'm very familiar with the airport down in San Diego, so we still go to that one, but. Either way, I've got an early morning drive to the airport tomorrow morning, so we need to wrap this. This has I been episode be, 260. I what the hell is happening? Be. I'm trying to end the show. Go ahead. I would be remiss if I did not bring up Doom and Gloom. You are absolutely killing me right now. We had this entire show we filled, and you're just not doing Doom and Gloom. Let's go. Let's go, baby. No, I got it. What? What were those words? Do we have Doom and Gloom or not? What's going on? Hello? No, I just had to check. Oh, okay. All right. What do you got? No, nothing. There's there's a what? thing with there's oh a thing with the, the EU is saying Google Analytics is illegal because they're like sweeping up too much data, which is not going to fly. That's going to get reverted. And then Sherry Wheeler was asking Wait. why are, why are U.S. companies following GDPR? And I can tell you. Hold on. I just want to call out the fact that you were worried I was going to call you out for reading your blog. You literally just went to the Doom and Gloom channel of the PHP Ugly Discord. You didn't have anything prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 269 of (laughs) PHP Ugly. My name is Tom. I'm Eric. Keep it ugly. ugly. One, two, one, two, uh, coming off the top, y'all know how we do, listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish, I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric, yo, he's never on some average shit, you know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate, I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song, yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong, yo, shout to John, you know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot, I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me, shouts out to people. PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I 
I can dig it. My words spray tight. Uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights. Yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude. I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube. So let's get it. You know my lyrics are major. All up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing. Keep it ugly. We ending every show with the saying, it's lovely. Let's go. Yeah.